want to remind you that we are in Luke chapter 9, verse 37. That's where we're about to start. Luke 9, 37. And that if you uh, click on the chat button on the bottom of your screen, uh, if you're using laptops or desktop computers at least, there will be a, um, on this side, a, a white panel come up. And you can choose to type a message in there to everybody. Or if you see somebody across the top here and you want just to uh, talk to them, if you click on the blue, a drop down menu will come. You'll see their name and you can send them a message. But it won't be by everybody unless you, you do that. So are we ready? Um, let, let's go. We are in Luke chapter 9. This is after the transfiguration. Mark also puts this after the transfiguration. And we're going to be going to Mark a lot. Uh, because Luke, this is one of the very few times that Luke uh, lets me down a little bit, but I'm getting ahead of the game. Let's take a look. Starting at verse 37 of Luke 9, the next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. This is from the transfiguration. A man in the crowd cried out, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Now here, you would think we've got a standard Jesus story coming, but Jesus says something here which we cannot explain away. You cannot make this sweet and lovely Jesus holding a baby lamb. He said, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. I, I would submit to you that if I responded to one of you coming up to me with pain and trouble in your family and heartbreak in the same way, that I would uh, have some very interesting shepherds meetings in my near future. And I would think that I'd I should. Uh, we look at this, and, and I cannot tell you. I, I cannot ease your mind by saying, oh, back in the first century, this was a way of just saying, hey, I'm here to help. It isn't. This is, this is harsh. But we are going to put it into some context. But it is harsh. It will not become unharsh. We'll read the end of this bit, and then we're going to go over to Mark to get a much fuller picture of what was really going on. Luke leaves out a couple of things that really needed to be left in. And again, remember, you can click the chat button if you have questions or if you want uh, Trace to unmute you so that you can make a comment. Uh, I'm hearing a, a, a noise from somebody's live mics out there. Um, somebody's doing dishes or eating breakfast. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a bare bones treatment of this. We need to go back to Mark 9, Mark chapter 9. And it, um, it starts at verse 14. They have, um, they've just done the transfiguration. And in fact, Jesus uh, and what he says in, in Mark about the transfiguration is a lot more than anything Luke says. Again, quite a surprise because Mark is so short and episodic. Luke is so historical and it flows. It has a theme and it flows where Mark does not. 
And yet in Mark chapter nine, Mark nine beats Luke nine all around the block. And no matter how you look at it, uh, so much more explanation about what was going on at the transfiguration. You have Jesus speaking after God, which he doesn't do in Luke. Um, and by the way, this is not a contradiction. It is two people telling a story and you know that people tell stories in different ways and they leave out things that they don't, they're not interested in. They also put in things that nobody's interested in. So it's, you know, you'll have two married people arguing about, did it happen on a Thursday or was that a Tuesday? When I can, I can assure you in front of the entire universe, nobody cares. Yet they will get hung up on that. And then they'll leave out something very important in the story. Luke does, and there's, I, I don't have an explanation. Let's go to Mark. Chapter 9, verse 14. This is coming down off the mountain from the transfiguration. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Ah, church people arguing. Sure glad they don't do that anymore. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? Jesus asked. A man in a crowd answered, all right, here's the daddy. Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You're already getting a little bit more of the story here. God has, uh, Jesus has already given his followers the right to cast out demons. I'm going to uh, do a little segue here and say he doesn't give them the power, but he gives them the right. Am I being truthful? No, but I want you to think of it that way anyway. And here's why. I've seen people uh, approach someone in Jesus' name to deal with demons. I do believe in demonic possession of different levels and sorts. That's not the lesson for today, but I, I do believe that there are illnesses and there are demon issues. And Luke divides them, by the way. When he does a list of things that Jesus does miracles, he keeps illness and epilepsy separate from demonic harassment is really what the word means. Most of us call it possession. But when I see people try to do this on their own, they come at the demons from a position of superiority. If you watch them on television back in the day when religious television was a lot more popular than it is today, they will strut around on the stage and uh, they will, you know, just get out demon and this, that. And, and then I think of Michael, Michael, the archangel. There is no being on the planet other than God, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. There is no being in the universe more powerful than the leader of God's army, Michael, the only archangel we've got. I know some people think Gabriel was an archangel. No, never, never said anything like that in scripture. Michael is. And when Michael came up against a demon, he did not pull rank. He said, the Lord rebukes you. So while we have the right to cast out demons, we always speak of Jesus doing it. And we do not argue with demons. We do not get in a conversation with demons. We keep ourselves out of that. We only bring in Jesus, all right? So there's my segue. We're coming back in. He gave them that right, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, sure, but it wasn't working. Now, that's something we need to make, we need to make a note of. When something doesn't work, I and mean, I hopped in 
my slingshot to avail myself of some of this 80 degree temperatures this last week. Uh, turn the key, nothing. Well, I did what you always do. Uh, I did it again and nothing. And then I ran through all of my little checklist and realized I wasn't pushing on the brake sufficiently to overcome the override. As soon as I pushed on the brake, it goes. When, when something should happen and it doesn't happen, that's a, a teachable moment, as our last president would have said. And we need to step back and say, let me run through this again. Let me make sure I've done all my checklist again. How is it that a demon is not being cast out when Jesus told him they could? Jesus uh, says here in Mark, again, you don't get off the hook. You unbelieving generation. He doesn't call him perverse in Mark. But uh, he gets perverse, and uh, he calls him perverse in Luke. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Oh, good. He says that twice. Bring the boy to me. Now, we're going to read the rest of the story. Then we're going to come back to the hard saying of Jesus, because you don't, you don't get off the hook here unless you deal with the hard saying. And, and uh, spoiler alert, if you're trying to um, explain away the hard things that Jesus says, you're wrong. You, ha you have to let Jesus say very hard things. So they brought the boy. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. By the way, just side note, demons never have your best interest in heart. They just don't. They always claim they do. Come with me, I'll give you love. Come with me, I'll give you money. Come with me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. But they do not have your interest at heart. It's a lie. So the boy has a chance at a good, wonderful life, and the demon tries to knock him out of it. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Now, to, to me, if I were to see this, my first thought would be, well, what would your first thought be? Epilepsy, wouldn't you think? Uh, if you've ever seen one of these seizures. There are many kinds of seizures, not just epilepsy. Um, there are some uh, little little babies born that, that will go through a couple hundred seizures a day. By the way, that's one of the, one of the very few things we have found that um, the THC, the, the, the narcotic, the hallucinogenic in marijuana actually can do stuff there. Now, they don't use it as a hallucinogenic. They, they get most of that stuff out of it, but they, it's still some there. Uh, and by the way, if you're buying CBD things for a hundred bucks, a little bottle, because it told you it cures everything, just back off a little bit. We don't know what that stuff does yet. But when they make it medicinally, it can stop these, uh, these babies from having these seizures. But because we're afraid of legalizing anything, and, and I understand that. I'm not making fun of anybody. Our fear keeps these kids in prison uh, and, that's, that's, and the parents, and that's terrifying. But evidently, this is not epilepsy, or Luke would have named it epilepsy. That's what he does. Um, and he doesn't. So again, in Mark, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Again, demons do not have our best interests at heart. They always lie and say they do, but they don't. But if you, if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. All right, I, I want to back up just a little bit before I get to, to Jesus' response here, because Jesus' response is, is, is pretty much uh, another stunner. 
let's just set up the scene. Jesus is up on the mountain with his three best buddies. It's all right to have best buddies. He's got them. Moses and Elijah come to the party. The uh, uh, Peter, James, and John get super excited. They want to show Jesus how much they esteem Jesus by lifting him up to the level of the greatest heroes in their panoply of heroes, Moses and Elijah. God crashes the party and says, this is my son, listen to him. And in Mark, Jesus then turns to them and says, Elijah does come first when it comes to the Messiah coming. And then restore the Messiah comes and will restore things, but that's you're looking at the one who's in charge now. While at the base of the mountain, the other apostles are arguing with the religious leaders and this man who has a son in dire straits. I, I believe we have the right to read into this what was going on at the bottom of the mountain. I think, it, I think there's enough here that we can see what was going on. The apostles had been upending the order of things by going about in the name of Jesus, doing great work, including healing. And yet the religious people of the day, many of them did accept Jesus. We can't, no big broad brushes here. Many accepted Jesus, but others just, they weren't convinced. And then when they see the disciples unable to deal with this demon, this boy, uh, this whole situation, then they, they're going at the apostles going, well, then he's not Jesus. If you're doing it by his power, this demon's more powerful than your, your rabbi, your teacher. Well, that's a good argument. That's an excellent, I, I, I couldn't fight back against that. Whenever I have people come up to me and say, my mother believed in Jesus all of her life, and then she died of lung cancer, and she'd never smoked a cigarette in her life. I don't look at her and look at them and say, well, you know, um, God needed another angel. You know, I'm, I don't do any of the throwaway lines. I'll look at them and say, that's terrible. That's horrible. And I have no answer for you. All I can say is that if she loved Jesus all of her life, she's in a wonderful place right now and doesn't want you to not love Jesus. But you're going to have to take that on faith because what you saw did not match what your faith said would happen. And how many of us have been praying, kill the virus, kill the virus? And I think, I think God is, it is responding the way that viruses do. Um, I don't see anything in this virus that other viruses don't do. When it does hit somebody hard, it hits them harder than other viruses. But I'm talking about in the way it spreads. Um, it, um, I don't want to go into the virus thing. But whenever people ask me, well, then we've been praying that we can come together for church. We've been praying that our, our small business doesn't fail. My heart is breaking. For those folk right now literally um we're watching people's life savings disappear uh, and i i don't have an answer for that either i can't say well when they look at me and say well why didn't jesus fix it i don't know um how are we going to have faith when what we're doing doesn't work that's the big issue here uh I've had, I've had a lot of people tell me, when I say a lot, I'm, I'm not talking 10, a lot in my life have told me I tried Christianity. It didn't work. Most of them have become agnostics or deist. Some have become atheists. Some became Muslim. Uh, several that I can think of just off the bat uh, became Buddhist. Uh, 
Others just became secular good people. Uh, I don't think anybody went to pantheism. I'm trying to remember all the others. But what they did is they came and they, they poured their life into it. They listened to all the Christian music. They never missed a service. They volunteered. And yet they still got divorced. And still, you know, their, their partner ran around on them. Or they still got cancer. Or they still, uh, one of the best books on this is a little book, but it's a really good book by Philip Yancey. Uh, Yancey is Y-A-N-C-E-Y, uh, called Disappointment with God. And he wrote another one called Where is God When It Hurts? Just go ahead and buy both of them because they're both um, very brilliant books. No explaining away, but this whole idea of what do you do when your faith doesn't work? Do you keep your faith? Well, Jesus has already looked around and said, you unbelieving generation. I don't know who he's looking at here. I can't say he was looking at his apostles or, or the rest of his followers, the disciples. I don't know if he's looking at the religious people if I had to guess, I would say he was looking at them all, everybody, just saying, come on, people. How, Moses and Elijah just came to a picnic up on the mountain. What's it going to take for you to believe even when your faith doesn't work? And he even says, how long can I put up with this? I, um, I have a throwaway line when ministers get a hold of me, as they very often do. I'd say it probably average two or three a week who are quitting, getting fired, or who want to quit. And I spend a lot of time with them. And if they just want to quit because they're fed up, they're fed up with the congregation, with the, I, I have a throwaway line, and it is a throwaway line. It's a, it's, it's a harsh line. I mean it, but it's an incomplete answer. I tell them, you be as patient with that church as you want God to be with you. And it's meant to shock them. It's meant to make them reel back a little bit and understand, once again, Jesus said, if you want to receive mercy, you have to give it. You know, that whole forgiving your brother seven times 70. Um, how long, however, Jesus here kind of kills my phrase because he's looking at him going, well, you guys are on the clock. I'm not really sure how long I'm going to put up with this. And I want to tell you that that makes me feel uncomfortable at first and then pretty good to know that Jesus could have a human reaction upset out of character in public at exactly the wrong time that gives me all kinds of comfort because I have the exact wrong reaction in public inappropriate very often. I don't want to, and I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not trying to say, hey, I'm a sinner, it's all right. No, I would love, um, I would love to live my three score 10 and whatever God gives me on this earth. And at the very end of it, people say, hey, you know, it's, um, it's really great, isn't it, Patrick? Never offended anybody. I'm sorry. I think offending people is part of my spiritual gift. I wish it weren't. Jesus got upset and his human side speaks I think that should give us some comfort. Looking, um, uh, got a question. When you ask, has our faith, uh, how, do we have a convenient faith? All right, that's a great one. Yeah, we're com coming back to that. When you ask, has our faith failed when it doesn't work? Isn't that counter to what faith actually is? Isn't faith the believing when we can't see? Um, yeah. Nailed it. 
but are you able to keep your faith when your prayers go no farther than the ceiling, as far as you can tell, as far as our human vision can tell, when, when your life falls apart? And, and Yancey uses an illustration of a situation we actually know, and if it was just Trace and I sitting across the room, I would bring up names that he would know. But a young lady uh, kept herself pure, um, resisted all sexual temptation all the way through school, praying from the time she was a wee girl, God prepared a great Christian man for me. In Christian college, met a young man that had saved himself. Everything was looking great. Um, all the signs, all the prayers, everybody said, this is a match made in heaven. They get married. He's in the Christian music business in some, at some level. Uh, within a couple of years, he's in drugs and doing all kinds of uh, adulterous acts with about anybody. And of course, the marriage falls apart. And she goes to God and says, um, why? Why would you do this to me? And it was a real struggle for her, as it would have been for me. And if I'd been her father, um, that's going to leave some scars. Faith will leave some scars on you when God doesn't do what we thought he would do because we believed in him and we were good. So yes, faith is believing when you don't see, but also Hebrews tells us it is believing because of the evidence we have for faith. Faith is a substance, the evidence of things not seen. Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. So what happens when you can't find substance and evidence? I believe that's a legitimate question. I think the question is, is ours, do we have a convenient faith? Absolutely, we do. Is our faith, does our faith need, faith need to be stronger? Yes, I don't think I'm slandering an individual in this room or anybody on the planet. I have met people whose faith was so strong it stunned me at every turn. Uh, I told her I was going to use her. She's gone on to Jesus now. We lived in West Virginia, a miner's wife named Phyllis Johnson. Her, her husband died in the mines, uh, well, because of mine work. Um, there were all kinds of poverty and issues in her. She she would go to yard sales to find cards because she liked to send encouraging cards to people, but she couldn't afford cards. This was the kind of wonderful person she was. And I've said to her and I've said to other people that if she were to walk in one Sunday and her legs fell off, and I said, Phyllis, how are you doing? She would say, I'm just so blessed by Jesus. I mean, just, I'd be running around going, my leg, well, not running around, I guess, at that stage, but I'd be pointing furiously, going, my legs, my legs, my legs. Um, not Phyllis. And I said, Phyllis, I wish I had your faith. And she'd always go, oh, you know, you don't. You've, you know, I, I, I'm always trying to, to do better. Well, I'm sorry, but if Phyllis Johnson is the standard, I'm never getting there. She was a giant to me, this wee woman, West Virginia, a giant. We have to believe even when it doesn't get better. One of the questions I get most often by people is, when do you think the lockdown will be over? Um, it doesn't matter what I think. I'm, I'm not in charge. I'm not a virologist. I'm not an MD. Um, I just, um, you know, I listen to the right people. And I'm not sure that everybody's listening or, or singing off the same sheet music. 
But I will tell you this, our job, since we can't determine how long this will last, let's, um, let's decide to be faithful during it. And to see, that's going to be the message for your Monday devotional, so don't get too hung up on that. Uh, let's, let's just become comfortable saying, I believe even when the fire hasn't gone away. Uh, the statement here, and it's from everyone, to everyone, by Holly in the chat room. Remember, you can talk to each other privately or publicly, or you can post questions. Uh, or you can ask, and like John, um, um, John Grant has a, a question there, John Little. Um, while you unmute him, Holly says, we sometimes equate faith as insurance against anything bad happening to us. Exactly. Uh, the, a, a real quick illustration. When we first came to America, we lived in Ohio <clears throat> for nine years, I think. Um, and there was a man there that people wanted me to go see. He was a man that had been um, crippled from birth. I know that the people will say differently abled or like he would say crippled. Uh, he was an old guy at that time. He was probably in his 50s, you know, and I was about 30. And when I talked to him, um, I'm just going to boil it down to this. His mother had taken him to every faith healer, no matter how long it took. He was, she took him to tent meetings. She took him to, to Pentecostal, to Catholic. She paid for extra masses for nothing worked. <clears throat> Therefore, he saw no use in God. I don't run across extreme examples of that very often, but that is a pervasive issue. Not only in the world, but we have people that come to church every week that are hurt and not sure they can trust Jesus. Every week. As a wise man once told me, um, be nice to everybody because everybody you meet is having a very hard day. John, what's your, your question? Are you unmuted? Yes. Um, and, and Trace, you may also have some input on this, but one of the biggest blessings that I've seen, especially within, um, within the more free will associated churches is the blessing of being able to say that God doesn't want the bad things that happen to happen either. Um, and to not be forced into saying, you know, everything happens for a reason. I, it seems very much so that the Christian faith unlike many others does not rely on this system of this happened because of this, or this happened because your great grandparents did this, or this happened because you, you know, yelled at someone the other day. Um, we don't do karma. That right. Karma and so, you know, and very much so in a time of, um, in a time of, of stress that we're in right now, um, you know, those verses like, you know, it rains upon the righteous and the wicked. Um, from, I think, Proverbs. Um, and so uh, I feel like those things are unique. And, you know, so we've had several conversations over the past several years, Patrick, um, regarding that. And I think that that's, that's a message that um, you see, especially when Jesus confronts these real illnesses um, and can separate it from something that's spiritual going on versus something that is a fallen world, bad genes, bad incident, accident, whatever. Um, and that separation allows us to tackle the world, you know, that we live in that's very real and very messed up, um, but that God is trying to heal and redeem. I have, I have nothing to add there. Yes, I, people, people want to have theories. And so they'll say it happened for a reason. Or if they're Calvinists, they say it had to happen for a reason. God planned this and, and there's something great coming out the other end. 
or, or they'll say it's part of the fallen world. Um, that's the standard answer whenever people say, well, if God is good, why are there viruses? Um, my answer is I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, viruses are rag John, John may, uh, he's in med school, so he may want to elucidate or <laughs> fill this in a bit more. But uh, viruses are ragged pieces of protein. They're already torn stuff. And they mutate rapidly because torn stuff is trying to survive and replicate and make babies so it can keep going. Um, there is a bias toward life in things living. And in the universe, there's a bias toward extinction. So it's... Um, it is quite the balance. It's challenged here. Uh, he he said Trace may have something to add in there. Uh, do you Trace? Or I, I don't, but Randy has a question. Okay, Randy, go for it. Randy Morris or Renee is I think using. We got to unmute. Uh, hang on. Um, I don't have a microphone on Randy. Uh, and one quick, one quick thing. I, you know, from a from a med school perspective, a lot of viruses, you know, have a purpose in that you have there are some viruses that protect, for example, against malaria um, in places like Africa and stuff, and or conditions, you know, different medical conditions that we see as great illnesses in the states that for a long time have proven in other places to be, you know, helpful against certain diseases. Um, and it just happens to be that when you move it out of that place, or when it, but you know, when you have that move to a different place, just because people are people and people like to move, you know, bad, stuff goes different or stuff goes, you know, what we would say is goes wrong. Um, so it's not always a bad thing. But it's you're exactly right. Those viruses probably, uh, and I'm 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 leaping into the dark here, but I think I'm on solid historical basis. Those viruses probably play a very vital role in bats and pangolins. It was when that then became part of the human that that became issues. As as I was reminded by a friend yesterday, you know, viruses don't get on planes and travel. People do. Animals do. Viruses are not pollen. They don't come in the wind. It's people touching and then they touch their face. Um, one guy, one, one of my doctor friends recently said, and I heard this also on the news yesterday by a doctor I'd never heard of. They said 99% of us won't get sick if we will just not touch our face. I'm not really sure that that's accurate, but it's, it's, it's what I'm hearing. So anyway, that said, we can ask why did God allow this, but um, many of these do perform a function. We got over here um, from Chris. Um, it seems people overlook the example of Job when it gets personal, as though any of us are, are somehow more deserving of divine deflection. Abs nailed it. Nailed it. When we were done with Ecclesiastes in our summer, uh, our sermon series, rather, it'll run through the year, we're going into Job next. So hang on. It gets brutal. In fact, I got to warn you, next Sunday, we go the rest of, of Ecclesiastes 7, it's the worst part of the book. It's just, there are some things in there that are misogynist, um, insulting. Uh, I believe the teacher was having a bad day and he wanted to spread the pain. So just be prepared for next Sunday. Um, 
if, you, if you're super, super depressed next Sunday, we might give you a link to Otter Creek or something, but we'll, we'll, we will get through it. Um, I, I've, I've reminded myself this, this question you got from Chris. When I would see, and, and they're still there, we just don't see them on the news, the starving people in Sudan, South Sudan, Chad, Mali, and I, 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 I have no words, obviously. I, I start to stumble. I'm not somebody that walks around going, I'm, 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 normally I, I know my words. When I see that poverty and the pain and I cannot imagine it. I hear a voice within me remind myself constantly, God loves them as much as he loves you. Do not assume you have what you have because you're better, that you have health because you're better than that person. And we do need to admit that we have some compassion fatigue. If somebody is always sick, we start wondering, well, what are they doing? Let's, let's pull back a little bit on that. Um, how, how fear, can we speak to how fear influences this discussion? That might be from Randy slash Renee. Um, the, uh, and if you don't want to activate your microphone, that's fine. Fear is all over this. Fears all over this current situation, is it not? Now, there are some legitimate reasons to be afraid. Um, I'm 63. I have pulmonary sarcoidosis. You, you'll never get it. It's a weird thing. It just means the lymph nodes in my lungs keep growing, and sometimes they grow so big that it's hard to get my breath. It's never been an issue. Um, for some people, it kills them. For me, most people, it doesn't. It's just annoying. But I got pneumonia once about uh, 10, 12 years ago, and that nearly killed me. Uh, I'm not supposed to get those things. Patrick? Yes. Patrick, this is Randy. Oh, Randy are. Morris. Okay, yes. Um, I, several years ago, it's been quite some time, in the congregation I used to be in, um, we had a lady that developed uh, cancer, and she went through treatments, and, uh, and within some years, she was... Uh, cancer free and we all were just uh, really uh, giving praise and honor to God I, I, I was standing at the podium and and when she her first uh, week back uh, I just made the the statement that I, I, I really believe in miracles and uh, I uh, I give all honor and praise to God for for this miracle but within about uh, a month or two, uh, the cancer came back, even though they thought she was cancer-free, and she died. And so what that put in my mind is, you know, is this part to, uh, to our healing, is that, was that God actually that did the healing, or is that the natural progress of medicine or whatever and God didn't have anything to do with it because um, the hard thing is for for you to look at it and say it's a miracle and then in Patrick's chorus yeah. Randy Morris yes Attempting um, uh, communicated idea under the water. 
Good question. Um, my short answer is it all can be. For some reason, we're getting Dean's class. Okay. Not sure how. Not sure. We, I, can't, I can't fool with this. Tell me you're done. I'm done, Patrick. Sorry, Randy. Um, somehow, somebody I think was listening to Dean's class, and that started coming over our audio. Um, we we will we will learn, and I bet Zoom will upgrade its software. His question is a very valid one, and I don't have a solid answer. God built us as self-correcting mechanisms. Our bodies. Uh, heal themselves, which nature cannot do uh, except by overgrowth. Um, we, a tree that is, um, you know, scarred, stays alive and, and for a long time. But God never came to save us from death. And that's one of the hardest things for us to deal with. Uh, he saved us from uh, dying and not being alive with him forever, that bit. But that one, uh, every everyone dies and then we all know that we either have life with jesus or we don't uh, how much credit do we give to god for healing you know i give it all to him because there is no healing without his creation and what he put into place do i also thank the doctors and nurses absolutely do i thank the scientists i love the scientists that come up with this stuff absolutely even when they make a mistake uh, even when it feels barbaric, like chemo does, uh, I praise him. But we, that, that doesn't really answer how much is which. And I, I don't think there's a dial out there we can see. Um, therefore, it's that faith in the darkness again. Look in verse 23. If, oh, I'm sorry, Topper had a comment. He's, he's, he's asking if he could come in here. Um, Topper, is your mic on? I hope so. Can you okay. hear me? Gotcha. Yes, please. Go I ahead. Think I get every week, uh, as everybody does, all of these questions about is God teaching somebody a lesson? We got one this week about uh, he is shutting down all of the things we worship. He shut down, you one. know, the, the Hollywood by closing the theaters, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that I have to keep in mind personally is that I personalize everything that is going on. And therefore, I will look at something and say, is he trying to say something to me? But I have to try to remember that throughout all of history from the very beginning, uh, there have been innocent bystanders. And God may have, in fact, be, been trying, even in the Old Testament, many times to teach people something or to... Uh, punish a particular group of people, but there were thousands and thousands of others that just happened to be, I used the word, in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, I don't know whether God's trying to teach any particular group of people a lesson right now or not, but in some cases, you know, we may be, through no fault of our own, just part of that group that's being punished as innocent bystanders, so to speak. Well, Certainly, we can talk about the problem of evil and collateral damage. Um, let's, because we have just four minutes left. And by the way, uh, with Dean, they uh, they kind of hung around and were able <clears throat> to talk to each other for about ten minutes online. I'm not sure that our our feedback system here gives me much hope for that. Verse 23, he says, "If you can," because that's what the the dad said. If you can, remember at the bottom of that argument, at the bottom of the hill. Everything is possible, he says, for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
Um, if I could see all of you in a big tray here, I would ask how many people add that to their prayers. And it's, it's in mine almost, almost every day for one reason or another. I'm talking to God saying, all right, um, I do believe you, but help me understand what you're doing here. And sometimes I don't, I don't couch it. I just said, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, Jesus did not like becoming a spectacle or allowing others who were sick, injured, poor to be stared at like zoo animals. So he immediately, he wasn't going to let this become something. He said, um, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his, his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, by the way, what, what a transition. That means as soon as that was done, people were looking that direction. Jesus got out of there. He did not hang around. He just, he got away. Uh, they said, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. And some manuscripts add, and fasting. Um, and Albert would make the argument that those are the manuscripts we should be listening to. And that he probably knows more about that than I do. I, um, I would like to, because we have only a little bit of time, I plan to go to Ephesians 6 today, but just make a note in Ephesians 6, uh, verse 14, Paul, Paul's talking about put on the armor of God to be able to fight the devil's schemes for our struggle. Um, I said 13, didn't I? It's, it's Ephesians 6, 12, sorry. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against. And what I'm going to do now, you know the verse, but I want to interject. He was putting the ranks of demons that the Jews and the rabbis and the philosophers of the day believed. Rulers, authorities, the powers of the dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Even back then, they understood that some demons were more powerful than others. That some were great, powerful over an entire nation, while some just controlled this little boy, and that's all they had but some are tougher than others. The response when our faith doesn't work is prayer and fasting, not to, make, to, not to force God's hand to where he has to give us what we want to because we are faithful, we are prayerful, we are fasting and given a lot online to Fourth Avenue. No, we pray and we fast in the middle of a time when faith isn't working. Um, that's, that's the hard, that's the hard thing. Are you faithful, praying and fasting, showing my obedience, I believe in God, even when I can't explain the why. But there are times in your life you're going to ask God to do something, it's done, and you're going to think, I'm good at this. I'm, I'm, I need to go on the road and do this. You're going to run up against some things which are tougher, um, and some of these demons are very, very tough indeed. But we need to not underestimate the power of evil. But don't allow that then to block our faith in the power of God, even over the evil that we're here. All right, hard lesson, hard, hard passage. I still maintain that Jesus got upset and angry. 
got fed up. It had been a wonderful day on the mountain. We often talk about that. Then we had a mountaintop experience. And then the next thing you know, we're in a valley in a church fight and people aren't sure we're up to the job. Um, Marcus and Catherine, you know, says, uh, faith is easiest when all is well. We must remain faithful. You better believe it is. Yeah, um, am I panicked about when we're going to be able to have toilet paper again? No, because I, I got some in a secret location guarded by dogs. I, I don't want you to come after it, mind you. When I run out of toilet paper, then my faith will become a little bit different because I'm as fickle and weak as anybody you're going to meet. We are all in this together. We all have holes and blind spots. That's why we need to be together. This online stuff is painful, but at the same time, it has been really cool to be in prayer with you guys last Tuesday night and Friday morning. It's been really cool to see the kids interact with their teachers online with the ministers here. And, and there is good that is coming here. We need to be aware of the good. Um, I, I think we probably lost Randy because of all the feedback and such. Um, probably somebody was listening to a class on the other in the same room. Uh, Cammy loves Dean's class, and so she goes downstairs. She can hear me anytime, at least that's what she said. Um, so any, any last-minute questions, you can type them or ask for a phone, uh, to be unmuted. Or um, if, if not, I'll let you go. I will have a video uh, up tomorrow for uh, – it'll be on the front page of the web page. I'm going to keep doing a Monday, help us out the best we can. All right? Um, and if you – you've got some extra time, avail yourself of some of these opportunities, some of these links. The, the software will get better and we'll get better at it. But we are in a new world now. Um, this class is going to Malaysia and Australia and Indonesia as much as it is Kansas, Iowa, and British Columbia. What an interesting world. Got anything? Oh, here we go, John Little. Uh, and, and Holly, thank you. And, and Trace, thank you so much. John um, Little, one of the toughest prayers I've found is to pray like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in times like these. Even if our God does not deliver us, we will still serve him. Exactly. And Job put it, though he slay me, yet I will still love him. Um, and then Audrey says, if we all hear, wear headphones, we'll not have a feedback issue. You know, that, that's certainly possible. But so few people have headphones that aren't Bluetooth, and then I'm beginning to wonder what the Bluetooth would be if we threw that into the mix. Regardless, we're going to get better at this. God bless.